0: Hi, my name's Hudson, and I'm a geoholic.
1: Just a quick note to express our appreciation for the 2021 Friends of the Program for their continued support. Please consider their products and services as they have special promos for geoholics listeners. Aerotech Mapping, Inc., ATMLV.com, Advanced Geodetic Surveys, Inc., AGSGPS.com, Bad Elf GPS, Bad-Elf.com, Cobb Fenley, cobbfenley.com cyanic automation cyanic automation.com diamondback land surveying diamondbacklandsurveying.com get kids into survey get kids into survey.com land surveyors united land surveyors united.com mentoring mondays mentoring XYZ, monson engineering monsonengineering.com Parkland Community College, parkland.edu forward slash land dash surveying. Safety apparel, safetyapparel.us. And last but not least, Tiger Supplies, tigersupplies.com. i digging that.
2: Yeah, it's a it's a mellow vibe.
1: It really is. You know what? I I I never knew who Keith Jarrett was until today. And uh <laughs> and uh, uh producer Jake over there is going to tell us everything we need to know about Keith Jarrett here in <laughs> just a minute. But once I started listening to it, I just left it on all day. I just worked to it. It was fantastic. That seems like easygoing music. It was music. so mellow. I loved it. It seems yeah. like
2: something you would hear in a bar in Chicago. Yeah,
1: exactly. A little smooth jazz there to get us in the mood. So welcome back, everyone. Thanks so much for listening to... This is the 11th installment of what we call the Geoholics Anonymous. It's been a minute since we've done one of these, but for those those of you that are new listeners, this is our kind of our roundtable formatted discussion on you know specific topics that impact the geomatics world today.
2: When you say number 11, all I have to say is,
1: Larry! <laughs> good one, good one. <laughs> so obviously, Shoots is back, and uh, we couldn't be happier. Good to see you, my Bienvenue, friend.
2: Bienvenue, welcome. Thank you all for having me back.
1: Seems like it's been a year.
2: I know, it's been way too long. <laughs> I got in here today, and it just felt like home again.
1: Oh, man, we're glad you're back. Uh, since you've been gone, you probably noticed we've drank a 30-pack of Coors Light, uh, <laughs> Thank half you. bottle Thank you of... Your neighbor. Uh, <laughs> Half bottle of Old Elk and some really smooth uh, Terramana tequila that One Man wall brought us. So needless to say, my liver is glad you're back as well.
2: Yes, I'll keep it uh, 100. There as you the go. Side.
0: There you go. That was there good. Go. Like that was a good flow on that. I
1: like it. I like it. Perfect. So, uh, PJ, tell us about Keith Jarrett.
0: All right, guys, that was Keith Jarrett. Long as you know, you're living yours. So he's a pianist, composer, band leader, Keith Jarrett is one of the most prolific, innovative, and iconoclastic musicians to emerge from the late 20th century. As a pianist, he literally changed the conversation in jazz by introducing an entirely new aesthetic regarding solo improvisation and concert. Though capable of playing in a wide variety of styles, Jarrett is grounded in the jazz tradition. He has recorded over 100 albums as a leader in jazz and classical music.
1: It's fantastic. I'm going to have say. to listen to it. I got to say, yeah, I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a new fan.
0: In just
2: the, the minute we listen to I'm I'm already intrigued.
0: I was peeking at some of his other songs. Most of his songs are like 12, 13, 13 minutes long. Oh, it's a marathon. It's jazz. It's no messing around.
1: Yeah, and if you read his uh, bio, something I learned, and this is very unfortunate, of course, I think in just in the last couple of years, I think he's had a stroke or two, and I don't know mm. that he performs anymore. Oh, like, man. one of his arms doesn't quite work the same oh, or whatever, yeah. so that's a bit of a sad that's story. That's got to so.
2: be a killer for somebody <sighs>
0: that's that talented to have that happen. Yeah, it's, it's like when imagine. singers like have to do stuff, vocal cord surgeries. Yep. Not that's, I think I might need that. You guys you all rest I am? Your Jesus, voice. Like, you have to get an insurance policy out on your voice, actually, those golden pipes
2: are, uh, we'll, we'll call them
0: bronze today. Yeah, yeah thats these, I mean, uh, that voice, that's what put ass, puts asses in the seats. Well, the, uh, <laughs> or, or ears in the seats.
1: Yeah, <laughs> yeah the, uh, my, my, my allergies, I mean, I, I struggle with them all year long, and I swear to God, in Phoenix, it's been windy. First of all, everything is freaking blooming right now. Mm-hmm. And it's been windy for, I swear, at least two weeks straight oh, every absolutely. single day. So there's so much shit blowing around, and I am paying a huge price. So uh, excuse the raspiness. Uh, we are here in the Diamondback Lancer Bank studio, though, and it's fully decorated. Shoots just saw it for the first time today. Since it he's looks been,
2: fantastic. He I'm likes it. Lie. That's good. He gave yeah. us the,
1: uh, the vote of confidence. No,
2: I came in I was I was just uh, taking it in for a while before you guys even arrived today. I like
1: it. Yep, yeah, I'm glad you like it. <laughs> of
2: course. <laughs> you put in all the hard work, I just show up and look good.
1: No, it, uh, it, it worked out really, really well. So we're super excited to be here and can't thank uh, Diamondback Land Surveying enough. So let's catch up with fellas just a little bit. Jake, uh, what's new, man? Anything?
0: Uh, no, I mean, not since last time we recorded, obviously. we Last have, night? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> We've got Coach shoots in our present, so yes. hopefully we're going to hear some more about that. But I'm going to keep it brief so we can get into the content. Oh, man. I got to tell what, you guys. What have you been
1: doing, shoots?
2: have you been? Co- been? I've yeah, been tell, coaching. Tell the
0: listeners. Uh, I just, I've been coach. making, coaching. Buttermaking, coaching.
2: Buttermaker suits. I told my wife last night I need to get a beer so I can have it out on the mound before oh, I pitch yeah, to the should, kids. That'd be awesome. They do sell beer at this. Uh, Stop. Where Hudson plays.
1: At the Little League Park. Yes, they the fa- sell beer. Also, if I come to watch Hudson, I can sit and, have and, a and drink a beer.
2: Yeah, you could delete a few, for sure. You are kidding me. No, they got pizza. They got
1: Hot dogs, beer, Oh my everything. God, now you tell me this. Yeah, How many well, games are left?
2: Uh, we still got a few. But right. as of last night, while you guys were recording, I was taking some line drives off my body. So my own child was the first one. He hit a pop-up. I panicked because I can't play the field. I'm supposed to be impartial. Knocked me over. Another kid whacked one. <laughs> And it hit me right in the leg. And <laughs> literally, he's running down the line. And he's like, sorry, coach. Sorry, coach. Sorry, coach. I'm like, get to the base and then apologize to oh me. Oh, my God. So, you, do you wear a cup? No. No. <laughs> it, it was a close call last night. Yeah. Let's be honest. I uh, I should. Yeah, I saw the bruise, and it's yeah. dangerously <laughs> close to the jewels. <laughs> I, was, I was showing Jake. He was impressed.
1: <laughs> Some of those, like, you got seven to nine-year-olds, right? Yeah. And, like, nine-year-olds are like. 13-year-olds when I was a kid. Yes. It's and, like kids are maturing so fast these days. When it's they the
2: wear, hormones in our food. I when they wear the bigger lie. numbers on my team, oh. they're, they're bigger kids. Gotcha, and gotcha. And, yeah, they definitely hit the ball harder than the other ones. Yep. Hudson's number one. <laughs> oh, is he? <laughs> he's, he's that little. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, yeah. Uh, no, I've been doing that, and you guys have had some good fill-ins for me, and- Hopefully, uh, you know, you don't find a replacement for me. Well, I I
1: guess the the trend is that the fill-ins have all been alcoholics.
0: Oh okay, <laughs> good. Shoot. that's why we have you here. I'm the voice. I am the, the uh,
2: voice of reason. Yeah, yes. no, I'm, I'm not going to take Mr. Banta's title of the voice of yeah. reason, but I'll be the voice of uh, reason. Leadership, maybe <laughs> that's there. a good coach. shoot there we go. The voice of leadership. There we go. I'm 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 a leader of men. There you go. What about you after last night? <sighs> not a lot really, other than allergies. It's been
1: 24 hours, yeah, my allergies are killing me. Of course, um, I've been just walking around in a daze today. Yeah. You know, got home late last night, didn't get much sleep, got up early. So I was texting you guys like 4 o'clock in the morning. I know. And uh, just never went back to sleep. It's just been a long day. I'm tired.
2: I got to go back for a second. Okay. When Jake texts out, if you're, raise your hand if you're excited to see BS. I felt very like satisfied. And, yeah, and, you know, I was going to bed. That I was, was special. Ki- I was kind of
0: up late, and I was like, "Oh, tomorrow, like we're going back to back. We're doing a double header. Yep. Shoots is back."
2: Yep. I, I yep. had to tell Carrie first thing this morning. I'm like, "Man, they like yeah, me. They miss I, me. I, I, I miss doing this." <laughs>
1: <laughs> All right, man. Well, again, we're we're glad you're back. And uh, in fact, since you're back, why don't you give us a little safety share?
2: No way. I refuse. (laughs) I'm not doing it. He's going on strike. (laughs) Well, eye strain is what happens when your eyes get tired from intense use, like when driving a car on a long trip, reading Hmm. in low light, or starting—excuse me—staring hour after hour at a computer screen. And there are three things that you can do to reduce eye strain: take breaks. Easy enough. Go look out at the sunset or something. Else that looks good to you, reduce glare. Uh, your phone has that. You can just turn down the intensity, I guess. Sure, the brightness. Yeah, the Blue
0: light, or there's like a feature on there too. Where you can like tint it out a little yellow. I do that on mine. Okay. So it's a little bit easier on your eyes. It kind of gives it an orange look. And Interesting. Then the last one that?
2: is adjust contrast and color. I think that's, that's probably what, yeah. 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 So, you know, all your websites like Reddit and stuff have the night mode. So when you can, use them.
1: Yeah. For sure,
3: and there's Zeiss lenses, uh, Carl Zeiss lenses, not not you, Jeff, that uh, deal with the blue light. Yep,
0: I've got those so, here too. Really? Yep. Interesting. Oh man, I feel I, like I need I'm, to wear glasses again. I <laughs> so many people have just been starting to wear, especially like work from home and everything. Like these companies, yep. um, Felix Gray, uh, Free yep. Plug, don't get used to it, but they have glasses like that. Everyone's starting to wear them at work and stuff now. Yep, makes you sure. look studious. That's why I wear mine. <laughs> yep, yep, for sure. I, Geo I, hipsters. I had to wear yeah.
2: glasses when I was like ten years old, so now I refuse. I pop my contact in the moment I wake up.
1: Really, I could never do it. I can't touch my eye. I don't think I could either.
2: It's not so bad, boys. Really? Yeah, no. It's totally worth it to not wear glasses to me.
1: I I like like it. I feel like I've walked around in night mode all day today. Yeah? Yeah.
2: You just, that... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> we're, we're pulling I'm so you glad out you're tonight. Here. Come on, let's yeah, go. Let's do it. We got let's some high energy here, yeah. boys. All right. Jake uh, looks studious in his glasses, though. By the way, what about me? Uh, not so much. Not so much studious. Very studious. <laughs> a lot of glasses in the call, actually, this evening. I like it. I've noticed that, like most of our guests, wear glasses. It's
0: yeah. the studious thing to do. It's uh, a, yeah, it's what the cool kids do.
2: I, I I'm just refusing.
1: Speaking of the cool kids, let's get to our guests this evening. <laughs> so we've got a we got a couple uh, beauties with us tonight. Uh, Gavin Schrock and Jeff Zeiss. Hopefully, I said that correctly. He's going to correct me here in just a second. But I'm going to let them do a little bit of self introduction and uh, tell us a little bit about themselves. And uh, since we're talking a lot about uh, you know Canadian geomatics, let's say this evening, uh, tell us a little about yourself and what your Canadian uh delicacy of choices. So Gavin, I know you're not in Canada, but uh why don't you lead us off?
3: He's close. Well I'm close enough to smell the Tim Hortons coffee.
1: Yes. Um, love Tim Hortons.
3: And uh well there was a short stint in Regina, Saskatchewan when I was a youngster. <laughs> but uh I, I dig the uh, keith jarrett selection uh he's from pennsylvania as i am originally but we moved around a lot but uh you can discard you know dispense with the cores next time and do some labats blue in honor of our you know canadian geomatic <laughs> love it uh brethren and sisterin. <laughs> so um oh me um i don't know what my job title is i have no idea but um my day job is two things. Uh, I've been running the statewide real-time network for 19 years now. And the other half is structural monitoring and utility surveying for uh, a very large public utility. Um, yeah, we're close to Canada. Seattle is like junior varsity, uh, <laughs> Vancouver. And my favorite Canadian delicacy, and this is this is heresy, uh, Tim Horton's biscuits you know oh, when yeah. we're there they yeah. are you know i was going to say Putin, but we'll all say Putin. for sure you know i i think Putin is the reason why canada has national health yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> i can totally see that That's what's awesome. his blood type a oh <laughs> sorry we can go for days <laughs> yes all right jeff but, tell us jeff. a little bit about you
4: okay yeah um i'm um uh, i'm uh I've been involved in the underground infrastructure for probably 30 years. I've worked for Autodesk and I've worked for some other guys doing sort of geospatially related stuff. But it seemed like all through that time when I was doing other things, whenever I went someplace new, I'd ask them what they're doing about underground infrastructure. I you know, so I talked to people in Malaysia, I talked to people in India, I talked to people all over Europe, all over South America, North America, and so on, just to find out what they what they did about underground infrastructure and um i had a I started a blog while i was at autodesk about 2006 which right from the beginning had stuff about underground infrastructure but it also had a bunch of other things about utilities and utility stuff and uh and that that kind of thing and I, I you know I'll just I'll just put I'll just say one thing right now yeah. is that I think that if you're in geospatial, if you're a young person in geospatial and you're looking for someplace to do something to make a mark, you know, to, to really do something interesting, this whole area of underground infrastructure is just going gangbusters. It's kind of like where we were with Earth observation maybe 20 or 30 years ago when, you know, when we were just starting to put up the big satellites with cameras getting resolution. I mean, the Soviets were still sending film back to earth, you know, with much higher resolution than the the Americans could do in those days or whatever. But I mean, it was, it's the same level of excitement. New technology is coming up every, it seems like every month there's something new happening. And there's just, and it's all startups, right? This is not big companies doing this. This is all startups doing this stuff. And it's only happened in the last two years.
1: Yeah, we're going to talk more about that here in just a minute because I I definitely want to get into that with you. And, uh, you know, you've got so much knowledge and wisdom when it comes to that. This is going to be a great conversation. So the one thing we do want to kind of lead off with is this Go Geomatics. It's a a website. You know, it's a community that I – quite honestly was not aware of until about a week or so ago when uh, when Gavin and I were talking about it and I'm like well oh, man we got we got to talk about this cuz you know I don't know how many people here in the states know about it but it's a really cool website you know tons of information there so it, it I took this off the website it says Go Geomatics is the largest and most popular communications hub promoting the Canadian geospatial community the business was incorporated in 2011 GoGeomatics hosts over 100 fun free Location technology networking events each year in cities across Canada. So, really excited to learn more about this. So, why don't we start with that? And Gavin, I'm gonna let you lead us off. I, I know it's something that you are definitely passionate about. Tell us okay. a little bit about the G, the Go Geomatics community.
3: Well, the uh, the founder uh, Jonathan Murphy out of Ottawa. He couldn't make it tonight because he is right <laughs> in the middle of two days of the main part of their giant conference called GeoIgnite. I'll talk about that in a bit, but going backwards, um, uh, I got to know about GoGeomatics because of Jeff Zeiss. Um, I had followed his blog for a very long time being in utilities and also being in the Autodesk community. Uh, I'd been reading about that and some of his uh, posts in GoGeomatics and, uh, involvement in their events too, and being Canadian and all. So, uh, uh gogiamatics uh yeah it's 2006 is when it got going Mm. um it is a community uh is the way i look at it it actually it's the biggest one in canada but i've been looking that for that type of community it's actually one of the largest ones in the world and there are quite a lot of americans uh, down south of the border here that uh that frequent it because the content so what the idea behind the hub was um, it was going to be completely grassroots. They, there needed to be a hub. There were so many different associations in Canada, and they're all very strong. Canada is very geospatially charged, and there's a lot of reasons for that. Um, and there's a lot of reasons why three of the major geodesy programs in the world are in Canada. And every time you go to a geo-vendor surveying conference, you keep running into Canadians. They hire them like crazy out of these programs wow. it's because Canada is just mind-numbingly huge, and to survey and map it is a major undertaking. For instance, precise point positioning, a type of GNSS that was developed by um, Natural Resources Canada, because they, you know, they couldn't have enough control and cores out in those wide-open spaces, so. What Jonathan did with Geomatics was he, he wanted to have a hub where all of the associations, uh, where you could connect through to all of the associations. He could be a channel for their events, their content. Hmm. Um, he put it together, volunteers, uh, students and geospatial practitioners. Uh, the readership's about two thirds practitioners, like us, surveyors. Hmm. About a quarter is like management types. And then there's job seekers and students. So he ties together uh, education-wise, all of the educational institutions in Canada that have anything to do with geospatial. Geomatics is a bit of a broader term there than than here. There's less of a separation between surveying and say, I hate to use the old term, GIS. Uh So it it is treated as one community. So that was part of the reason that this could could be pulled off. There's a... uh, it's really the, the GEO job site postings, um, the education connections with the associations, all of the big provincial surveying associations are affiliated. Oh. And then uh, also the volunteers. Uh, it's been a great place w- for young folks to get involved in experience in writing organization. Uh, there's a team of volunteer editors and writers. I'm a volunteer there as well. Uh, I'd written for them for many years, but I'm formally now on as a consulting uh, editor, whatever that means. So that just means I get to write any content I want and stuff it on their site. But the, uh, the other thing is their meetups. Uh, the meetups are kind of cool. And I've driven up to Canada to get Tim Horton's coffee to attend some of these meetups <laughs> in Vancouver. But they're 15 in the major metropolitan areas in Canada, often near – the educational institutions and these meetups are kind of fun. They often meet in a pub. They talk just like you guys when you're doing your intros, but it's great networking, but they're back to school ones in September are sort of a rite of passage for any geo student is going to be going to these events because they get to meet alums and network from the first, before they even go into the classes. So (laughs) One of the outshoots that started three years ago is GeoIgnite. It's a, a big Canadian geospatial conference. Uh, actually, it's bigger than a lot of the big national ones here. And he holds it in Ottawa because it's center of, uh, you know, a lot of the government and the industry. But it's free. Uh, there was the, in, well, the virtual or free, the in-person one a couple of years ago was pretty big. I don't know. You think there was thousand, probably a thousand people, no. but the um, the online one is several thousand people. Uh, we're in the middle of it right now. Um, the main event, or the two days, which is the Geospatial Forum, uh, there was a jobs fair last week, uh, a diversity group, and then next week... The zeitgeist for the the underground forum it's called the canadian underground forum but i with looking at the content i think it's all universal i just want to call it the underground forum sure i have not seen an event like that in the same manner um many places so so you got the 10 cent tour of GoGeomatics. i'm going to give maximum time to to jeff uh the guru in the underground and yeah, it's great to be able to talk about subsurface utility engineering, the surveying aspect. Uh, if I can editorialize a little bit, well, that's what I do. <laughs> um, you know, with with this potential for a global wave of infrastructure investment, all of a sudden people are not demonizing uh, spending on infrastructure. With this wave coming. There's been a lot of analyses done. Uh, I just interviewed the folks from the Bookings Institute and they said, here's the deal breaker. We're not gonna be able to do that rapidly and digitalize AEC, which needs to happen to be able to afford this without knowing what we have. And the big hole, no pun intended, is the underground. It's the final frontier. And the good news is, is in the last two, three years, It's been a renaissance in ways of not only capturing it but verifying it with satellites. And uh, Jeff, you're going to go over a bunch of tech. So, um, yeah, Jeff, talk about the forum. I think even you know mentioning some of the presenters. um, uh, There's Canadian content, but most of it is is pretty generic about standards, technology, case studies. So, anyhow, sorry. I'll,
1: the I'll
4: be quiet for a while. the Underground. <laughs> perfect,
1: perfect lead-in, Jeff. Um, <laughs> there you go. So why don't why don't you go ahead and take it away?
4: Okay, great. Thanks, thanks, thanks a million for that, Gavin. Um, uh, the un- as I alluded to earlier, the underground right now, I think is the if if you know if you ask me of any technology area. Uh, for you know, for somebody young who wants to get into something and do something, and make a mark on the world, I think right now this this is the time for underground. It's just it's just happened in the last two years. A lot of these companies have been preparing for this for maybe twenty years. Uh, you know, some of the folks that will be speaking at the Underground Forum, um, and I agree, this this is the Underground Forum. It's got some Canadian content, but this this is people from. This is people from the U.S., uh, you know, people who are respected in, in the industry, whether it's Canada, U.S., or wherever, are going to be speaking at this event. And um, as so, number one, this is an exciting area to get in. It's startups. It's not established companies, do, you know, investing in things. It's just a whole bunch of guys coming out of nowhere. And some of these technologies I never even would have dreamed about, you um, uh, a year or two ago, for example, 4M analytics. Um, so the way I, ca- the way I classify the, this, you know, what's, what we're gonna be hearing at this conference is uh, we're gonna, he- one of the really most important things is legislation and regulations, okay? It's boring as hell, but this is what <laughs> motivates people like surveyors and others to do things, right? And I'll give you an example. Uh, Colorado and Montana now require that after you build something, a highway or railway, whatever, you have to submit accurate as-builds. Now, if you know anything about construction, you know as-builds are usually pieces of paper. They're usually as designed, not as what went in the ground. So what's happening, this is a revolution in Colorado and Montana. You have to submit accurate as-builds. In other words, you have to submit something signed by a PLS or PE that says, this is what went in the ground. And if it turns out that those things are wrong you can sue them this is professional stamp documents right? right so this is a really this is a really big thing and this only happened uh about two years ago in colorado montana you know same thing But same or you know it started in 2019 2020. so this is all recent stuff wow. now this is boring it's legislation it's it's regulation but this is what motivates you know people to do things and creates markets for new technology. So that's one of the things we're gonna be talking about. We will have somebody from Colorado. We're gonna have Rob Bright uh, Martindale, who's from Colorado DOT, um, which is responsible for a lot of what's going on underground in Colorado, is gonna be speaking at the conference about you know, exactly how this happened, you know, how what motivated the legislators and the regulators to, to do this kind of thing. The second area that is, is really exciting is really a technology area and that is ways of detecting where things are underground. You know, if you've been involved in this industry, you know that usually people are using electromagnetic devices, they wave them back and forth, they're not digital, the only thing they do is paint the ground, and if you have to dig in the same place next year, the same thing will happen. They'll come out with their magic wands, they'll paint the ground, nobody will record that stuff. It's been estimated that the US spends $10 billion a year, every, $10, $10 billion a year, finding things underground, and basically throwing the information away.
1: Right? <laughs> right? Crazy. Yep.
4: You know, I mean, it's 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 just incredible how much information is captured, you know, as a result of one call, cent- you know, calls to one call centers and so on, but not cap, you know, not captured. <laughs> so the the other area that is really, I think, really exciting um, is I call it mobile and cloud, but it means basically technology where with a handheld phone. You can capture the location of some new pipes you put in the ground, new cable you put in the ground, or some stuff that you've exposed during while you're excavating or potholing or something like that, upload it to the cloud and that stuff can be shared with everybody on the construction site. Wow. You know, it's simple technology. It's just cloud and mobile. You know, From an IT point of view, there's nothing really novel about this. It's just taking it and giving it to construction guy and say, Walk down this trench before you fill it and capture a video and upload it right let me ask you this. I mean it's incredible
1: yeah for sure so like here in the states I mean I, I know that the uh, you know the record keeping or the records for you know infrastructure are just so bad in, in most of the country and you know you mentioned yes. Colorado and Wyoming and just in the last couple of years you know they, they've, they've passed this legislation why why now why is it happening now why, why hadn't why hasn't this happened like 10 years ago 15 years ago?
4: Yeah, it's a good, it's a really good question. So let me just explain um, briefly, a standard construction project for, you know, the process for construction, a highway, you know, building a highway, for example, right? uh, you guys are survey, you know, you guys are surveyors. So, you know, the first thing that happens is the surveyors go out, and they put the, together basically an, you know, an accurate 3d, you can get a DTM from it, you know, really mm-hmm. accurate data of where everything is above ground. Okay. Then the engineers come in and they, you know, take that. They take maybe they use the DTM. They figure out how much earth they have to move around, cut and fill, and stuff like that. And they look at different alignments and and so on and so forth. And they actually come up with a design. Then three days before you're going to put a shovel in the ground to be to begin excavating, you call up the one call center. Yep. Right. Yep. <laughs> before that, you have no idea what's in the ground. Right. So I mean, it is, it's like you're, you're half blind, right? Mm-hmm. You yep. have this fantastic, accurate model of what's above ground. Underneath underground, you have no idea what's underground, right? Yep. And that's why the other thing that Colorado did is so remarkable, and that is Colorado mandated that on any public works project, which means any project that involves the public right-of-way, mm-hmm. which means highways and so on, you have to do a Sioux survey subsurface utility engineering survey. Yep. It has to be signed by a PLS or PE. So since there's somebody to sue, has to be submitted to the state, but you have to do that before you do design, which means now all of a sudden you've got, you know you know what's underground and you know what's above ground. So when you design something, you don't put something right through where there's a, you know, a major, you know, gas transmission line, you know, for example, it's so simple. Mm-hmm. But why it has taken a hundred years to get here? Um, I'll just give you a little hint. In what happened in Colorado, in Colorado, in 2017, there was an incident in uh, in Firestone, uh, Colorado, where a uh, it actually was a gathering line for, for um, from you know from fracking some fracking wells, but it was supposedly abandoned. It wasn't, uh, but nobody turned off the valve. It leaked gas, blew up a neighborhood. There was fatalities and whatever. Mm-hmm. And somehow that, plus the, the work that had already been done on Colorado and co- in Colorado with respect to the underground infrastructure, it all came together. And the legislator jumped. The legislature jumped right on it, passing the the necessary enabling legislation. The regulators got right on it. Colorado DOT got right on it. And uh, and then and then there just happened to be this remarkable technology company. Again, just a startup, young guys, you know, in, uh, in Grand Junction, Colorado, which is up against the Utah border, um, who had a, you know, who had a basically a uh, mobile plus cloud solution um, that was implemented by Colorado DOT and is now mandated. So anytime you do any work on the public right of way in Colorado, you have to use this technology. It's called ProStar. It's ProStar. Called and ProStar. They're okay.
3: speaking on yeah. the first day, yeah. I think.
4: Yeah. yeah, and the CEO will be speaking uh, after Rob Martindale. Uh, Paige Tucker will be speaking, um, and he'll be talking. The, the, their, their product is called Pointman. It's just, you know, it's an app. You just mm-hmm. download it to your, to your yeah, phone. Yeah, I've seen right?
1: it. I've seen it. It's pretty it, slick for sure. Yeah, I mean, you, can,
3: an, you can do a high-accuracy rover as a peripheral. I mean, yep. that, that's,
1: that's what they're doing. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. it's genius. Um, so Colorado's kind of leading the way. On, on, yep. this, on this type of legislation, I have to believe, or at least I hope, anyways, that it's also in the work in the other states that aren't currently mandating it. Um, well,
4: I've heard that ProStar is doing a demonstration in Utah. Yeah. Um, in Montana, they took a somewhat different approach. They're not using ProStar, they're using uh, oh. something called GeoWorks, which comes from a company called UIMS, which is a big underground, you know, a big underground company. But um, I think, you know, uh, I mean, I can talk about Singapore, I can talk about the UK. Mm -hmm. This is not just Colorado and Montana. Mm -hmm. And I did talk to somebody recently from the Autonomy Institute or whatever, and they're talking to Texas DOT. So I think that this is something that the DOTs, they'll have a you know, they have a model, a working model of the benefits from Colorado, and mm-hmm. montana Yep. so it's not like they're going into you know the dark they're not going into a dark room where they don't know where anything is sure sure well, well so- there's a,
3: con- a convergence if i could cut in there's mm-hmm. a convergence now of other technologies now what's going on in parallel in other parts of the world in some states of the u.s is other technologies that come out of the geospatial intelligence industry so when you talk about startups, Jeff, like uh, 4M Analytics,
4: yeah, 4M a good no- example.
3: You'll notice a whole bunch of geo uh, startups coming out of Israel. Well, Israel invests a lot of money into geospatial intelligence, and they want to get public benefit out of that as well. So a whole bunch of technologies. Switzerland's the same way. You know, where do you think Pix4D came from? A university in Switzerland oh. that has a program just to create startups for geo. Wow. So here's some of the technologies that, that are kind of science fiction almost. There's the use of uh, INSAR, satellite interferometry. That signal penetrates the ground down to about 16 feet. And when it comes back, you can differentiate the difference between potable water and non-potable water. <laughs> the uh, you know electromagnetic difference showing that's where leaks are and also that's where pipes are. There's a 4M analytics out of, out of Israel. What they're doing with satellite imagery and aerial imagery is running AI through to look at other things that show evidence of there being utilities in the ground. You know, the subsidence, the change of the soil color, uh, appurtenances, all of that. So what, what's gonna happen is that these, uh, call them remote sensing, are going to give you a map of an area, Uh, where suspected utilities are so that means the SUE and the locates could be more focused so when it gets to the point where the cost is not an excuse I mean people balked on costs of going out and doing the underground mapping and getting the GPR because it was expensive but when it's not when it's automated like this and when it's as simple as an app to record it the excuse won't be there and I think that's where some of the legislatures are seeing the light going, you don't have an excuse anymore. So anyhow.
4: Yeah, no, no, I think you, Gavin, I think you hit it on the head. One of the really key things about some of these technologies is that it doesn't add to construction costs. Bingo. You Walking down a trench with a cell phone, taking and making a video does not really add to your construction costs. Whereas in the old days you had to call up and get a survey crew to come out and drive out and all this other stuff, which did, Add to to, uh, to to cost, but I think the you know one of the interesting things about this is that it really raises the issue of having a survey technician on site, but you don't necessarily have to have a surveyor on site, mm-hmm. right? Yep. yep. In other words, the surveyor technician can go out there, walk down the trench with whatever it is, lidar or handheld or something like that, upload the data to the cloud, and then this uh, you know a professional PLS can look at that data, review it, do whatever before he stamps it.
1: For sure. And, you know, you, you guys have mentioned technology a number of times. And, you know, the price of the hardware is come down to a point where, like you say, it's just, it's a no-brainer. You know, I, I think about the Bad Elf, the Flex mm-hmm. receiver, you know. I mean, you can get yeah. one of those for like 2500 bucks, and, uh, you know. Don't quote that. Plus or minus. <laughs> Plus or minus. <laughs> Plus yeah. or minus. But, so what's, what, we talked about Colorado and that legislation. What, what's the status of requiring Sioux survey services in Canada? Are they, are they ahead or are they behind the game?
4: Oh, behind the game. Canada's behind the game. There are, there, is a, there, are some, there are a couple of things in Canada that are looking optimistic, and that is we are you know, – I don't know what you'd call this in the United States. It's public works it's um it's called public services and procurement these are the guys that buy things i don't know what the u.s equivalent would be but it's the guys who procure things for the government Mm -hmm. and manage the buildings and do all the leasing and all that sort of stuff sure you know so that so they're responsible for a lot of property and that includes military bases you know in the u.s i mean i think i think dod in the united states is the biggest landowner in the world and uh, you know a lot of that property has got you know, underground infrastructure. on Right. Yep. So, you know, de- defense departments are really big on this area. Um, and in Canada, probably the two uh, organizations that are doing most in this area are department of national defense, which is the equivalent of DOD. Um, and uh, this procurement, this public public works. Um, and they are, they are basically saying they are putting together a set of rules for 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 you know basically what Colorado has said with respect to the underground the pub you know the public right of way uh, procurement Canada is doing the same thing and so that's the good news but mm-hmm. that's I think there's something like 23 different departments in the in the federal government in Canada that is responsible for property that has infrastructure on it um, and so what what the procurement agency wants to do is put together a, a standard set of rules that they can take the Treasury Board and say look. This is going to be the set of rules that governs all underground infrastructure on federal property. Well,
1: I'm I'm curious. Are there like are there post secondary education programs that can prepare somebody for the Sioux industry?
4: Well, Gavin, I'll let you go ahead, but I would say that um, you know it's like one of the really interesting questions. I don't know whether you guys have asked this um, of, of of other people on this, but. How many people who have an engineering background um, got any kind of geospatial uh, courses as part of that, as as part of their engineering degree? Yep. Right. It just doesn't happen. Yep. You're right. So this is an area. That's what I mean. This is one of the. This is like computer science. Thirty years ago, <laughs> you couldn't go to university and take computer science, right? I mean, people were going into it from music. They had backgrounds in English literature. Some of them were coming from engineering. I mean, it was just incredible. Well, that's what it's like with under, underground right now. Wow, it's just a wide open opportunity. It's, it's wild, wild west.
2: Yeah, yeah
4: no,
1: the wild doubt. West. no doubt. No doubt. What, 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 Gavin? So, what, what are your thoughts on that? Are there, are there, how, how do people learn this part of of surveying? I mean, is it? Well,
3: it's it's a continuum. It's a continuum. You know, of of how it's done is always advancing. Mm. Now the uh, ASCE, American Society of Civil Engineering, uh, they help put on uh, a lot of, uh, you know, focused courses on specifics. So, uh, you know, graduate and postgraduate, no, uh, there's just not that much of it going on. It's part of graduate and postgraduate uh, civil engineering. But when it boils down to the specifics, those are, they're great classes. I've taken a whole bunch of them and they do them all over the country. And sometimes they pair up with a educational institution. Uh, One of the universities in Louisiana hosted like a whole week of these. That's what, well, if we had a, if we had a hub like Go Geomatics, you know, where surveyors could go and find this stuff. Uh uh, Well, okay, we have national association, but I, I kind of been wanting to nudge them a little bit more about SUE. Um, You know, we're very boundary survey centric in the United States. You know, the the last half of the last century, that was most of the activity, you know. So we kind of have those blinders on and think of it that way. Mm -hmm. But these other disciplines are going to be, you know, probably much higher importance with what's coming up. So um, yeah, the, the, yeah, like Jeff said, if go, go underground, young man and woman,
1: Yeah,
4: <laughs> go uh, underground.
1: <laughs> yeah. I mean, the, the face of surveying is literally changing, you know, be, before our eyes. Absolutely. The advancement of all the different technologies that are out there and just the different ways to collect data. It's, it's, it's mind blowing. It's hard to keep up with it all. It really is.
2: Well, the cool kids, you know, you got to go underground. There you go. Right. Yep. It just makes sense. Yep. It falls in naturally.
1: Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, what else? So are are there any certifications? Like, can somebody get a, a a Sue certification of any type or we're not, we're not there yet either.
3: No, there, there are, uh, yeah, there are, there are, uh, and I don't know the full details on that. I wish I had, uh, prepared a little better for that but there are certifications like if somebody requires the different levels you know the abc yep. levels of uh-huh. of uh locate um requirements okay. you you uh there are uh certifications for uh you know sue engineers uh-huh. um it'd be neat if that was included in like the uh Oh, the certificate programs that, like the NSPS, puts on. You know, work yep. with them on that. Now, the ASCE, we should have someone from the ASCE on sometime. I know that surveyors balk at engineers sometimes, but uh, that's the that's the gateway into this. I don't know, very valuable and very, you know, potentially very profitable oh. field for surveyors to right. to get involved in.
4: So let, let me let me add a little bit to that. And- um, I would say in North America, you can hire a guy off the street, give him an EM device, and he's a locator. Hmm. You know? in, the UK, in the UK, they do have certifications. And if you're going to work in certain places, like I'll tell you, one of the areas that's really a hotbed for this underground stuff is airports.
1: Oh, for, man, totally. Because an
4: airport man. is like a big city squashed into a tiny little area. For sure. You've got passengers. I mean, if you hit something you've got a huge problem on your hands, right? And so one of, the, one of the, you know, there's two jurisdictions in the world where they really have put together a comprehensive program to reduce underground damage. And they have statistics to show yeah. that they have reduced underground damage. So let me give you one, one statistic just to start off with, and then sure. I'll talk about the other one. So, you know, in the United States, there's something called the Common Ground Alliance, which collects voluntary statistics. Uh, you know, in other words, if you're a utility or anybody and you hit something underground, you voluntarily report to these guys or you don't. Right. And um, some states like Texas are very good. Some other states aren't aren't so good. But their statistics show that there's somewhere between 500,000 and 800,000 incidents of hitting something underground every year. Mm. Right. Yep. So that's about, I think, you know, one or two a minute, something like that. I mean, it's Crazy. that's a lot. Yeah. OK. So in Japan... There were 134. I'm not, you know. (laughs) That's it. I didn't lose my internet connection there. So you didn't hear all the zeros, right? (laughs) Wow. Why? 134 versus 500 or 800,000, something like that.
3: Well,
1: Japan's an
3: interesting place. I did a work study over there with uh, uh, the engineering group of, of a large city. A couple of interesting things was there were no government surveyors. Uh, They used a roster of uh, small firms. But the other thing was, I asked about the surveying standards, and they handed me a booklet that was only 40 pages. And I said, Is this for the city, you know, the city here? Mm -hmm. And they said, No, that's the whole country. But the um, requirements to locate and to document the utilities is very, very strong there Uh, and has been since the analog days these amazing maps that I got to pour through there. And I was just almost in tears looking at it, going, holy crap. Hmm. So yeah, it's different in different parts of the world where things are congested and you got to worry about that. Um, you know, Europe, Belgium went in and they uh they got in with all the utility companies, public and private, and uh, all the all the different governments there and said, we're gonna map the entire we're gonna make a base map of the entire freaking country. Oh, and to do that, we need a VRS network. So we're going to throw a million bucks in and build a network first. So, but uh, yeah, the oh, you were talking about certifications. The Underground Utility Locate uh, Location Contractors Association, NULCA, I think. Uh, they have uh, certifications, and it's it's like yeah, uh, if if there are certifications, and clients catch wind of it like a jurisdiction they may go you know what we we want to be sure it's not just the guy off the street how about somebody that's had training in it they may add that requirement so it, it's you know it's like the cst uh, certifications uh, with the nsps if somebody knows that exists they have a little more confidence that the person actually had training so when when the cost of doing it drops you know, it's not adding on to the engineering and, uh, these legislations like in Colorado come around, I could see there'd be a demand for going, Hmm, the same question you ask: isn't there a certificate for that? Well, there are some, and those outfits that, that, uh, provide those
4: are probably going to see a boom. This could, this could really be a procurement problem. You know, if engineering <laughs> companies, DOTs, uh, you know utilities or whatever start building into their you know procurement practices that if you're going to do locate for us you have to have people who are certified according to these standards then then it will happen yeah
1: gotcha
3: now remember that to be a surveyor in canada there are 13 examinations not one examination and two wheaties box tops
1: (laughs) that's a whole other episode right there Yeah. (laughs) yeah i actually had a buddy here locally that works for a large contractor and um and this goes along with what we're discussing he was telling me that on their projects they hit so many utilities and spend so much money in repairs and lose so much money in delays that they got to the point at one point in time that they're like, is is it even worth being in business? That's how much it was costing them.
4: So, I mean, it's a
1: huge, huge problem. There's no doubt about it.
4: The Federal Highway Administration in the U.S. will tell you that the leading cause of delays on construction projects is underground utilities. For sure. Mm
1: -hmm. Yep. No doubt about it. No doubt about it. Anything else you want to tell to-
4: Yeah, I was going to mention yeah. one other thing. So we talked about Japan mm-hmm. and, you know, Gavin had some really good insight into why that is, but it, you know, in, J- in Japan, it's, it's a comprehensive approach approach. The contractors worry about things underground. You know, there's rules that if you're within five meters of something, you can't use you know, you have to use a vacuum excavator. You have to use mm-hmm. hand tools. You know, all sorts of stuff. And and these are not just rules that people flaunt and say to hell with it. Um, they they actually follow. And and everybody involved in construction takes this seriously. The Japanese started doing this in '83. Wow. I think there was a. I think there was a, same thing. There were some disasters in Tokyo. You know, and um, and the, and they just said, this is not acceptable. We just cannot you know, we're never going to be able to build out our infrastructure when we keep hitting things underground. And they started they put together a, a system called Rodis back then, uh, which has been was implemented originally in Tokyo. But then as I think it's in 11 other cities in in Japan now, but Mm -hmm. it's comprehensive, you know, everybody involved in construction knows about this, uses the information. Mm -hmm. If you capture information, it goes into this database. You don't just tear it up and throw it, throw it in the wind. Now, the other jurisdiction where this has happened, where they have put together a comprehensive program that has shown and reduced the number of incidents of underground is Heathrow Airport in, in the UK. And the same thing. They put together a very comprehensive program. It involves the contractors. It involves the the, you know, the the airport administration. It involves all you know, there's something like 150 different utility companies that have underground infrastructure at Heathrow. You know, I mean, it's just and they've just you know, it really comes down to getting everybody together. And saying, guys, what can we do to solve this problem? That's really what it comes down to, for sure, for mm-hmm. sure.
1: And that's that's another example there of, and I I, I'll, I guess I'll never understand that. Maybe Gavin can shed some light on it. But it just seems like like some of these European countries are so far ahead of us uh, on the geomatic side, obviously on the Sioux side. And I, I just don't quite understand that as much intelligence and technology and everything else that we have here in the states. We're we're, we're behind.
3: Well, you know, there's the uh, there's the uh another valley uh, theory you know when the u.s spread out there was always another valley out there you know it was just this wild the wild west you know expanding like crazy and in europe well you're on that same patch of ground Ooh. and you've gotta it you know you've gotta know a lot about it down to the nats uh, uh you know centimeter so uh uh especially congested areas, you know, the towns are tighter. They were built with narrow streets and your, your right-of-ways are thin, just like Japan. You've really got to know. Now the one, the craziest one in the world is Waikiki beach in Honolulu. <laughs> I went down underground there in some of the, some of the mm. vaults and couldn't believe the tangle of utilities. And I was trying to make sense of map for a phone company. Wow. So, but again, we go back to, You don't have an excuse anymore. So Japan, well, you know, you said, yeah, yeah, it really got going in in the 80s. But the thing that happened was, okay, to record that for posterity's sake, to keep the maps, to build those maps. uh, Well, they put up 1,200 GPS stations for their earthquake system. And as a byproduct, they had a national VRS network covering the entire freaking country. So when people were out locating stuff, they didn't have an excuse not to record it. They started requiring that in a lot of jurisdictions, even in like 2001 when that network was brand new. Uh, the the tools to do it, the excuse isn't going to be there anymore. So I could see us following the rest of the world very quickly. Um, so
1: interesting. I'm curious. So uh, Ryan and I are both involved with the uh, the local UESI chapter, mm-hmm. um, and I probably should know the answer to this question. But is UESI <laughs> is, is that does that exist in Canada as well?
4: Well, I think that I don't know of anybody who's active in UESI in Canada. Oh. We're actually going to have Jim Onspack at the, yeah. uh, oh, at, yeah. the at, at our at our conference, and he's he's going to talk about you know two new standards from the ASCE. One's thirty eight twenty one, yep. and the other one is I guess it's 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 actually kind of confusing. So I he's going to help he's going to help clarify. But the other one is often referred to as the utility as built standard. And, these, and these, these are actually already being used in Colorado, right? Yeah. So Colorado has been plugged into these two things right from the, be, right, right, right from the beginning. Yep. And you know, Jim Ansbach has been heavily involved in UESI and stuff like that. But no, I don't know anything specifically in Canada. We have, a, a, in Canada, there's another standard called, it's um, from the Canadian Standards Institute, CSA, and it's called the S250. And we're going to have somebody from Department of National Defense talking about the S-250. It's very, it's quite different from the ASCE standards, but I think um, that when these new ASCE standards come out, that 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 we will see some revisions to other standards because you know this is going to be, this is going to be, you know, this is like the first ASCE standard came out in 2002, right? Well, wow. you know, 3802. I mean, it's been out for for like 20 years so it hasn't been revised
1: it. it hasn't been revised since then no no wow. nothing it's <laughs> that's still mind the standard, blowing. that is right? mind-blowing
4: and so this 3821 is the first and the really big difference you know that that all it said was a b c d depending on what kind of whether you went out and mm. did a site survey or you just looked at the as built or you'd pothold or you you know use remote sensing or something like that but no absolute you know precision you, you know there's nowhere there was no provision for saying oh where you're within a, a third of a foot of it or, or something or something like that sure. the new asce 3821 will specify levels mm-hmm. of precision right? 3802 jake was how old 3802 <laughs> 02. Oh,
0: I was four years old. There you go. Oh, God. That's that's some reference for
2: you. I was still in high school.
1: Oh, my gosh. You were four? Oh,
2: man, I'm old. It's 98. I'm
1: old. So with all this technology that we have, and it's evolving constantly, you know, VR, uh, AR, all that stuff, what's the future of of the the Sioux work and mapping?
4: I think it is going to be, I mean, I think when the other states see what Colorado, they already started, they're already looking at what Colorado and Montana, you know, are doing and maybe Utah. Uh, I think this is going to catch on like wildfire and it is going to just create so much demand for these new detection technologies for the, you know, the mobile plus cloud solutions for surveyors who can do both above and below ground. I mean, I just, I think it's going to be a tsunami. I mean, when people Mm -hmm. realize how little do you have, you know, with the technology now, Mm -hmm. how little you actually have to do, how little you actually have to spend and the benefits from that, you know, I'll just give you, you know, we haven't talked about health, you know, you know, with the effect of walking onto a construction site and getting blown up because somebody hit something. But if you look at the statistics in the U.S. for, say, a period of 20 years, I went and looked at how many uh, people were killed in civil aviation accidents, uh, you know, majors. Major airline, it was on the order of 403, something like that, yep. not including 9/11, right? Sure. But yep. everything else, not well, it's the same order of magnitude for people getting blown up and killed on construction sites, right? <laughs> you know, wow. but but our perception just, it, you know, is it's just not there. The the FAA has a budget of like 70 billion dollars every year, right? Yep. The only thing that's anywhere near this would be FIMSA, right, which has a bu- budget of I don't know. 230 million or something like that. Most of it coming from the industry itself. So mm-hmm. it's like we treat airline accidents as really, we, we're we going to spend gazillions to prevent those, but to prevent Joe, your uncle Joe, being blown up on a construction site because somebody hits a gas main, we're not going to worry about that.
3: Work stoppage and change orders is well. There's some amazing numbers that Jeff's come up with. Uh, the uh, the future is going to be a layered approach. So if if some of the preliminary work is done with one technology, it reduces the amount that has to be done with the next one and the next one and the next one. Oh. So it's going to be, uh, you know, something like the outfit that uses the satellite and aerial to do the AI detection, you know, for Uh, suspected areas narrowing it down then you get down to the final locate and yes you're still going to have to pothole in 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 a few places but but as the um you know if we have a huge infrastructure wave of new and repaired infrastructure and it was required to record where all those utilities are we're going to be in so much better shape in no time Right, because since japan requires that uh very little uh you know the hard work has to be done uh, to locate the utilities now, are a lot less yep. than a lot less
4: work stoppages. So for sure, yeah, yeah. it's, a, it's an investment
1: 10- in the future. Mm-hmm.
4: And I'll and I'll and I'll I'll mention one other uh, thing too. Another you know area where the technology is really changing things. You know, we talked about as builts right? You build something, then you submit these as builds, that are usually pieces of paper. They usually go in the basement; nobody ever looks at them again. When it comes to underground as builts they're useless. I mean, because they they're not as built, they're as designs or whatever. Sure. But what some what some folks are doing now? I know two water companies in Denmark, um, and um, I just blogged about a really interesting company in France. Is instead of paper as builts lidar scans yep just or or a, or a video you know walking down a you know an open trench with your, your cell phone and a video and RTK yep you upload it to a cloud forget about paper right for sure you just, yeah Absolutely. You know, we, we can we can deal with those volumes of point clouds you know it can be billions of points doesn't make any difference anymore but, you know Yeah. and yeah. it's so it's easy doesn't cost anything really walking down a trench with a lidar scan yeah
3: an outfit in the uk uses the iphone with that uh with that simplified lidar on the iphone wow that's what they use when they have the trench open now it's recording it it's amazing
4: i mean there's no cost for hardware it takes virtually no time you upload it to the cloud and everything else happens in that cloud and everybody can see it Mm. and you're not only just getting a 2d or 3d 2d map you know with lines and stuff on it you're seeing all the other you know cables and infrastructure that crossed your line. I mean, you're getting so much more information than you would get from just, you know, a paper as-built.
3: And Jeff, you were talking about the little inertial units you can put down a pipe. Yeah,
4: those are incredible. In fact, you can can put that down a two-inch live gas line, right? No disruption to the customers. You just put this thing down, you push it down a, you know, a kilometer or something like that. You pull it back and you've got Plus or five, plus or minus five centimeters of where the pipe is. Oh my gosh! And the thing can go That's around crazy. ninety degree angles, right? This little thing can go around ninety degree angles.
1: Unbelievable!
4: Incredible! That's great. Yeah. Now I the re- other thing I mentioned to mm-hmm. you earlier, I mean, this is just these, these, you know, you know, 4M, which you know, Gavin mentioned, which mm-hmm. you know, said, look, we don't want to have any boots on the pavement. We're just going to use satellite imagery, aerial imagery. You know, I mean, it's yep. safe it's fast and all that the other company that i came across just about three months ago is a company that is into magnetometry they put some magnetometers plus you know rtk plus gnss stuff in a 2.5 kilogram package that they put on a drone (laughs) and they can fly this drone right down a street no but no boots on the pavement cross a field whatever right and you can, you, know, you can set up a flight plan, the thing goes out there and does its thing, and then you come back and you have a map and you upload it to the cloud and you interpret it and whatever. Right? I mean, these things are going to really change how we detect underground stuff.
1: For sure. That's what I was saying earlier. Our ability to collect data is like it's never been before crazy Mm
4: -hmm. absolutely for sure
1: so let's see we talked about GoGeomatics. we touched on GeoIgnite. we touched on the underground forum and of course a bunch here on sue is there anything else you guys want to talk about before we before we get out of here
3: got to plug the forum uh you know it's the 29th and 30th it's free um you can find it through the GoGeomatics website but uh yeah the underground forum 29th and 30th uh, they got a great keynote on the 29th it's uh, Jeff ice yeah yeah
4: Oh <laughs> <Right>. Not, <laughs> yeah no, I'm just doing I'm just doing an intro the the really uh the you know there I'll just tell you I'll just mention the keynote sure. everything we've talked about tonight somebody's going to talk about that stuff yeah. right oh, wow. there's somebody talking about ASCE there's somebody talking about inertial or you know gyro uh, mapping There's somebody. uh, There'll be somebody there from 4M talking about how you can use uh, imagery and and so on. Um, But there's going to be a couple of really interesting uh, keynotes. Um, One is Joseph Lotti, who's with a company called Luxmodus, and this is the first company that basically put a lidar scanner on the side of a pickup truck and drove it along a trench with a new pipe with a you know a newly installed pipe on it. Um, and then uploaded to the cloud and did stuff with it. You know, and you not only know where the pipe is, but you know where the weld points are. All this stuff that you know can be really critical uh, later. And he 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 started doing that I think in 2018 or something like that. He's going to be the keynote on on the 29th. He's going to start that off. On the 30th, the guy who's going to be giving the keynote is Alan, is Otto Balantine, and he's <laughs> he's with a company called Reduct, which are the guys who put together this technology for. Inertial or gyro mapping of pipes. I mean, wow. this this is really dramatic. Um, and then there's one other keynote, which will be a lunch keynote, uh, and that's that's going to be a guy talking about putting together. You've heard of digital twins? Yep. Well, the hottest thing now. Uh, this guy's going to be talking about uh, putting together a digital twin of the underground. Right. <laughs> a lot of times when you hear about digital easy. twins of cities. They're talking about above ground things and you see the beautiful buildings and it looks cool and all that. Nothing about the underground. Right. And there's no city that will run without the underground. And so he's going to be talking about specifically putting the other digital twins of the underground
1: pretty cool that is cool yeah. i love seeing those old pictures like we i know we mentioned michael tuig before the show and i don't know if you guys if, if you guys aren't following him or connected with him on linkedin he always posts these really cool old pictures of i mean they're probably 80 years old like when they're you know building those original utilities and stuff like that it's just it's crazy it's crazy but it's super you so interesting
4: michael yeah the other thing that michael has pointed out is that 80 years ago the as were accurate <laughs> you know, there's back in the days when they had these yeah. pieces of paper and pencils, and this is even before Mylar, you know, yeah. they actually recorded accurate, you know, and, and Michael is given, they, they have a, Mike, Michael's company has got a, you know, they've got, a, they've got piles of these old documents yeah. because they're reliable. And then when we started getting to GIS and technology, the reliability and accuracy went out the door. Well, it's coming back
3: because accuracy, precision is not as expensive as it was. I mean, the early days of GIS plus or minus a meter because that's all you could really afford if you were mapping a lot of stuff. Now you can map, you got spatial richness, you can capture so much stuff. Reality capture needs people to capture the reality. And I hope surveyors step into that role big time, swaggering surveyors going we are the experts in this get in there and just say we are the freaking experts in this
1: expert measures for sure
3: yeah well there's nothing wrong with measuring is not dishonorable you know there's more to surveying than boundary
1: yep no question. No <laughs> doubt about it. Well, hey, I, uh, once again, I appreciate you guys being here with us this evening. Uh, super interesting stuff. We could talk about this for hours, and, you know, hopefully maybe you come back another time, and we can drill down on some of the other stuff that we talked about. Um, but the passion is obvious. Uh, super exciting. Uh, this underground forum that's coming up sounds like an amazing opportunity. And the fact that it's free, I mean, that that's crazy in itself. Uh, best way to find out about that is just go to gogm. Geoma- GoGeomatics.ca.
3: Yeah, maybe I'll send your registration link. You can put. Okay, up when let's you do post that. This. Yep, or, or that. just
4: go to GeoIgnite.ca.
2: Oh yeah, there we go. Oh, that's GeoIgnite.ca. it will take okay. you right there.
4: All right,
1: all right, fantastic. Wait. Well, thanks again, Shoot, You got anything you want to add?
2: Uh, you didn't ask me my favorite Canadian delicacy. What? What? What is it? Katie from Letterkenny. Oh, you've <laughs> uh, been holding that one for a while. Uh, I, was, uh, okay. I had to look her up just to remember.
1: <laughs> Katie Cat.
2: I haven't watched that show in a while. Oh, so.
1: classic. Classic. That's a good one. I you can't disagree. You guys
2: were talking about that, and then I was just looking at pictures. <laughs>
1: <laughs> All right, guys. Well, hey, thanks again. I uh, look forward to getting this episode out. A lot of good information, and uh, we'll definitely be in touch. So, with that, uh, you know, hey, thanks for listening. And then everybody's continued support. We really couldn't do this without it. Check out our friends of the program, as many of them are now offering promos exclusively for Geoholics listeners. Feel free to send us an email at info at thegeoholics.com if you have any suggested topic ideas for a future Geoholics Anonymous episode. With over 35 listeners, this is an awesome platform to talk about whatever you're passionate about. As always, look for ways you can pay it forward bank some good karma shoots did it today as a matter of fact
2: i did while we were on the phone
1: yeah yeah kudos to you be a good human being and remember you get what you give what do you think about that
2: add value make friends value, don't make forget friends. it yeah. yep yep it's, it's it's just the mantra of my life at this point thanks i love to it
1: i love it i love it so until next time everybody stay safe and healthy
2: Once again, thank you to our friends of the program, Aerotech Mapping, Inc. at atmlv.com, Advanced Geodetic Surveys, Inc. at agsgps.com, Bad Elf GPS at bad-elf.com, Cobb Fenley at cobbfenley.com, Cyanic Automation at cyanicautomation.com, Diamondback Land Surveying at diamondbacklandsurveying.com, Get Kids Into Survey at GetKidsIntoSurvey.com. Land Surveyors United at LandsurveyorsUnited.com. Mentoring Mondays at MentoringMondays.xyz. Monson Engineering at MonsonEngineering.com. Parkland Community College at Parkland.edu slash land surveying. Safety Apparel at SafetyApparel.us. Tiger Supplies at TigerSupplies.com.